Find in your Bible with me today the New Testament book of Philippians and chapter 4 and hold your place there for just a minute. Philippians chapter 4, just hold your place there a minute. Before we go any further, I want to pause and thank a couple of special folks. Uh, our staff have uh, anniversaries, a few of our staff anyway, at roughly the same time. We already celebrated with Cheryl her one-year anniversary the first week of October, and uh, we want to thank Christy Nisley, who celebrated eight years with us on staff this past Thursday, our church financial manager, promotions specialist, everything else as well. Thank you, Christy, for your hard work. We appreciate that. And Brother Rick Coons, our pianist, celebrates five years with us on November 1st, this week coming up. He looks surprised. <laughs> we so appreciate our staff, their hard work, all that they invest in the life of First Baptist Church and their service to the Lord Jesus Christ at our church. Uh, this morning, we're going to step out of the message series we have been in. We will return next time to our series in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. But knowing that we are go going to vote on a proposed budget coming up, and knowing that we're doing that in the context of tough financial times, inflation, uh, a war, just about everything you could imagine actually going on, supply chain disruptions and uh, everything going on at this time, can make us a bit stressed. And most of these are things we have no control over. Inflation, inflation in particular. We don't have control over that, and yet it directly impacts your wallet and your bank account, and it may for some time to come. Uh, this past week, Kim and I got groceries, as we always do. And uh, Now, I'm a, I'm a breakfast cereal kind of guy. I'm a real believer. God made breakfast cereal for a reason. And I have favorite cereals, and, and one of my favorite cereals was sold out at Food Line when Kim went to get groceries. So while I was out and about this weekend, I swung by Publix to pick up to see if they had it, and they did. They had it. I picked up a box, nearly double the price that we were paying at Food Line. No wonder Food Line was sold out. We are impacted directly as inflation increases uh, with virtually no end in sight at the moment. But uh, we're impacted by that. And that, that's not really the question, because we know we're impacted financially. The, the question is, how do we respond to that? To remember, the Christian life is not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. And we, we must learn and get God's help to respond in Christ-like ways. What does Jesus want us to learn? What does the Word of God teach that will help us in tough financial times like these? There's one fundamental point we're going to address from beginning to end this morning as we look into God's Word, and it's very simple. It's that we experience contentment in all circumstances of our lives to the same degree that we depend on Christ for everything. Depend on Christ for everything. That's where contentment comes from, as we'll see the Apostle Paul talk about that in Philippians chapter 4. Because we're certainly struggling through financial times and financially tough times. And it may seem to most of us that being content in these times is elusive. How do we experience? How do we walk in? How do we have contentment no matter the circumstances we find our 
themselves in. In 2019, uh, the American Psychological Association conducted a study among Generation Z, that is 18 to 22-year-olds. Now, remember the year 2019. Gas was roughly a, a dollar less a gallon than it is right now. The stock, stock market was booming. My cereal was affordable. All those things were different in 2019. In the survey, uh, the association asked Gen Z what to, to rank stressors, what stressed them out the most. Number one, money. 78% of Generation Z, 18 to 22-year-olds, said their biggest stressor in life was money. Is it possible to get from that to saying, no, I'm content in whatever circumstances I find myself in, even tough financial times? That's what the Apostle Paul is going to say in the passage we're going to read. Let me give us a setup for this. I know many of you are familiar with the book of Philippians, maybe not all of us quite as much. Paul was in prison when he wrote the letter to a beloved group of believers in a place called Philippi, the Philippians. Uh, and he expresses joy in how they're serving the gospel. He expresses joy in how they love him while he's in prison. And obviously prison is hardly the ideal circumstances to be in. And he is, in the passage we're going to read, He's responding to their love for him, their desire to help him in material ways. While he is financially strapped, while he is in prison, uh, they want to help him in financially ways, and they've not been able to do that. So I want you to listen carefully to what Paul says, and what he wants them to learn, and what God wants us to apply, is in prison or not, wealthy or lean, plenty or lacking, God teaches us, and through Christ, we, depending on Christ, we can be content in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. Philippians chapter 4, we'll start reading at verse 10. Philippians 4 and verse 10, this is what Paul says. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. Meaning, that is, that you loved me but could not give me a material gift. You didn't have it to give. But then he says in verse 11, I don't say this out of need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little. I know how to make do with a lot. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. Contentment. That's the core word. That's, that's the, the salt in this passage. What, what does Paul mean by contentment? I have learned to be content. The term translated content in this passage refers to self-sufficiency. That is, I have what I need. I'm self-sufficient in all situations. But he doesn't mean what you and I would typically mean by self-sufficiency and he doesn't mean what you and I would typically mean and what our world means by being content as a result of self-sufficiency. See, in our time, in our world, and many Christians adopt this perspective, to be content, to be self-sufficient, means that I have created a lifestyle for myself in which I have everything I want. And I have built up a nest, a nest egg, and I have a big enough 401k, and I don't have to worry about money, food, or gasoline. I have done this for myself over planning through time, so I am now content because I am self-sufficient. That's not what Paul means. And in fact, he uses that term intentionally to show that's not what he means. 
What he means is the believer being content in no matter the circumstances, no matter what material possessions you have or lack, the believer being content is the believer who depends solely on Christ Jesus for all situations and all circumstances. And he says, I have learned to be content. The term translated learn to be content refers to a fixed point in time that always stays the same. That, that somewhere along the way, as Paul grew in Christ, as he went through a variety of circumstances, he learned along the way that Christ would always take care of him. He could be dependent on Christ no matter the circumstances. And along the way, he learned this fixed fact. I am content in Christ. Notice, it's not a feeling. You and I wake up and we think, well, I don't feel content today, or I do feel content today. Paul says it's not a feeling. It's a fact. Because of my dependency on Jesus Christ in every circumstance and situation, I have decided, I know for a fixed fact, I have learned to be content in all situations. Now he adds to that, as we, as we read it, I have learned the secret of being content. That, that phrase is translated a few ways in different versions of the Bible, but it's referring to that same idea, but with a little bit of difference in tone and perspective. And, and Paul does this intentionally. I know the secret of being content. Well, over here he says, I've learned to be content, like he went to the school of contentedness and, and found out along the way that, that he would be content in Christ no matter what. But now he says, I have realized, I have an epiphany, that there's a secret. There's a key to being content. Well, which is it? Well, it's both. And they both mean the same thing, but with a, just a, from a, a different angle. Uh, when he says the secret of being content, he's speaking to those in the ancient world who participated in mystery religions and paganism. In paganism and in mystery religions, people were often taught, uh, just like in witchcraft and in similar uh, religions today, they're often taught that you, you reach an apex of knowledge. There's a mystery out there. And those who grasp the mystery are elite spiritual people, uh, ahead above the rest. And it stages through time and stages through this religion that you finally get there. This is, this is in fact, by the way, Scientology. It's exactly what Scientology teaches. That there's their, on the lower rung and eventually, and, and by the way, if you're a Scientologist like Tom Cruise, you've got to spend a lot of money along the way to get there. But they add these stages along the way and then eventually you reach this stage of enlightenment. Paul uses the phrase intentionally because he's saying that's not how it works. How it works is in your relationship with Jesus Christ you will go through a host of circumstances along the way through life. Some good, some bad. Sometimes you have enough, sometimes you don't. And you learn to be content. And he said, I have learned to be content. And here's the secret. You want to know what the big secret is of contentment in any circumstance? Here it is. Trust Jesus. The one who strengthens me in all situations. He's always there for me. He always takes care of me. That's what I've learned. That's the big secret. Have a healthy relationship with Christ. As Paul addresses the Philippians, with that, with that primary thought underscoring it, our dependence on Christ, he does reveal for us some basic practices that build contentment in the Christian life, that help us be more content. You may be stressed out. You may be worrying about money. You may look out on the horizon 
uh, or watch the news and wonder, what in the world is this coming to? How can I be content and sufficient in Christ? Well, here's a few things you can do that you can apply to this. First, practice intentional gratitude. Practice intentional gratitude. Many of us think of thankfulness and gratitude as a feeling. So we wake up and we say, I feel thankful today, or I feel grateful today, and the next day I'm not, I don't feel so grateful. I don't feel so thankful. But the Bible teaches, and we, we see reflected in science and in culture, that you can actually decide to be grateful and decide to be thankful. You can practice gratitude intentionally. Paul says, I rejoice so much in your efforts to help me. Even when you didn't have anything to help me with, that's okay. I rejoice in you and in your efforts to help me. And also in this letter, Paul would say, uh, whatever is true, whatever is good, whatever is moral, whatever is excellent, whatever is of good reputation, think on those things. Practice grateful thinking. Practice intentional gratitude. A few years ago, Harvard University conducted a study among their students. And they collected up a bunch of students and they asked them to do something and then they had a control group on the other side they, did, they didn't do the same things. But they asked this group to participate in an experiment in gratitude. And here's what they asked the students to do. They said for one month, every day for one month, we want you to take five minutes and write down three things that you're grateful for. Every day for one month, Five minutes, write down three things that you are grateful for. And they don't have to be big things. But they do need to be different things. They can be small things. I'm thankful there's a Starbucks in Chalote. I'm thankful for Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I'm, I'm, for the student, I'm thankful that I passed that test. They can be any number. But every day, three different things. Five minutes, one month. And they brought the students back at the end of the month. And you know what they found out? They found out that all of the students that participated in the project were happier and less stressed out than they had ever been. Do you know why? The outcome of the study demonstrated that you can train your brain to think about good things. Well, the Bible already tells us that. Paul said it, whatever is good, whatever is moral, whatever is excellent, whatever is of good repute or good reputation. So think on those things. You decide what you think about. You decide if you're intentionally grateful or not. This is what lifted Paul out of the mire of frustration so many times. As he looked upon, it wasn't about his circumstances, it wasn't about what he had. He didn't look at his life and say, I am thankful for these things he looked at his life and said, you know what? I am so thankful God has put people like this in my life. And we should add to that, underscore it, write it in your outline. Cultivate healthy Christian relationships. Be thankful for the people God has put in your life who build you up and encourage you. Not for how much stuff they give you. Not for whether or not your relationship hinges on who has more stuff, who has more money. No, just that God put them in your life. Healthy Christian relationships. Cultivate those. Be grateful for those people God has put in your life. And you'll learn to be content in every circumstance along the way. Second point Paul makes, principle we could rises out of this, is uh, money ma uh, manage money wisely. Manage money wisely. That's not too terribly confusing and not much of a surprise. 
But see, the problem in tough financial times, when we hit those times, coming out of great financial times, is during the good financial times, we overextended ourselves. We lived beyond our means. We tried to keep up with the Joneses. We went into debt. We bought stuff. We didn't practice good habits. Now in tough financial times, we find ourselves stressed and strained and worrying. But wait a minute, we're, we're bringing in the same money along the way most of the time. So the lesson here is Paul says, I've learned it, I've had plenty. Literally, he's saying, I've had an abundance of everything I needed. There have been those times for Paul when the money was coming in. The tents were selling. If you don't know much about Paul, he was a tent maker. People buying tents. No supply chain disruptions. Got everything he needed. Then those, there are those times that he's imprisoned, and the best he can count on is bread and water for the day. And in both circumstances, he says, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content. In those times of plenty, practice wise money management. So in times, then lean times, you'll be ready. Now, a lot of times, we're getting ready to vote on a budget. You know, I bet some of you came in here thinking, well, pastor's going to preach about tithing. And this isn't about tithing, is it? Actually, it is. Yeah, because tithing is not just one thing you do with your money. Tithing is an expression of your discipleship with Christ. It's not about your money. It's about your heart and your walk with Christ. So I would say this, pay attention to this. If in lean, tough financial times, your knee-jerk reaction is to say, well, I can't tithe, I don't have the money. That's not a money problem. That's a you problem. That's a financial management problem because you didn't prioritize it. And understand, when, when your financial condition changes, and not, not just your income. If your income's the same, then your tithe should be the same. But your financial condition changes. Tithe on what you can tithe. Give, give to the Lord what, what you can give. And let God worry about the rest. I know many of you are dedicated Christians. You're dedicated to giving the Lord generously to tithing. And you give to other biblical and Christian causes and ministries. Good for you. God bless you. But if you can't do that right now, or if, you, if times are lean, you can't do that, don't. You don't need to feel guilty about that. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Just be faithful to him with your money. And always be faithful to him in those times of abundance so you can be faithful in those times of need. And then the last point Paul makes, the biggest one of all, we've already said it several times, rely on Christ completely. Rely on Christ completely. Trust Jesus with everything, in good times, in bad times. And that, that is kind of our problem. See, in the good times, we come up to times with, with the Lord and we say, God, I'm doing great. I'll let you know if I need you. Everything's going great, God. Thank you for blessing me. I'll, I'll get back to you if I need anything. Then when tough times come, we're crying out to God, why me, why me, why me? Our dependence on Christ in any and every circumstance is how we learn to be content in any and every circumstance. Because if there's one thing that's absolutely true, your circumstances are going to change. I, I could poll the seasoned believers in the room and every one of us would remember previous times of inflation and recession, wouldn't we? 
And every one of us would say, God was there then, God is there now, and God was there in between, and nothing changed with God. The circumstances are going to change. God doesn't change. God doesn't change. He'll take care of you, trust him, depend on him completely. Verse 13 is our favorite verse in Philippians chapter 4, and for a good reason. I can do all things through him, that is Jesus Christ, who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. Now, unfortunately, sometimes we extract that verse out of the context of Philippians, thinking it has nothing to do with contentedness in our circumstances, but instead it's God's promise that anything I launch out on, God will bless and take care of me. Any, anything I decide to do, I can do. That's not what it means, clearly. I hope you see that. Paul is talking about God's strength in any circumstance, in any situation, as he walks in God's will, God always is with him to strengthen him. He depends on Christ. Christ never lets him down. Let's park for a minute on that term, strengthens. Strengthens. Some of your Bibles translate it, gives me strength. And you'll notice both ways that it's translated, it refers to an ongoing fact that Christ continually does this. He is continually strengthening Paul in every circumstance and every situation. Paul relies on the strength of Jesus Christ in that situation. He relies on the strength of Jesus Christ to follow through with his promises, to, to give, to be generous, to evangelize, to serve Christ, uh, to undertake whatever task Christ gives him, and to be content in every circumstance. Paul relies on the strength, the ongoing strength of Christ. And when we dig a little deeper into the word, what we find out is that in the Greek language, it's cobbled together from two other words. Both of those words give us English words that we use today. The first one is endow. That is, this is an endowment from Christ. It's something that he gives the believer who trusts in him and depends on him in every situation. It's his strength, not yours. It's his sufficiency, not yours. It's his contentedness. Not something you conjure up in your mind and in your emotions. He strengthens you by endowing you with his strength. Again, depending on Christ in every circumstance and situation is how you experience that kind of contentedness with Christ. The second word is the word the Bible uses frequently for power, specifically God's power. Now I'm going to teach you a little Greek word this morning. You can take it home. And uh, you can go home and tell your friends and neighbors you learned a Greek word. You'll probably forget it by the time you leave, but that's okay. The word translated as the second part of strengthens is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. Now, it gives us our English word dynamite. It gives us our English word dynamite. And for a very good reason. In 1867... Alfred Nobel was, who was all, he already held several patents. Uh, he was an inventor. He liked to do experiments. And he was experimenting, as many people were across the world, with a way to control nitroglycerin. Uh, nitroglycerin was not portable. You couldn't transport it to the job site for construction or for mining purposes. And it was desperately needed there because nitroglycerin was very volatile. With the slightest shake and disruption, it would often explode. In fact, during the phase of experimenting, there was an explosion that took the lives of three friends of Alfred Nobel. Uh, so for a few years, he was working on this project. How could we stabilize 
How could we bring nitroglycerin, the power of it, under control? How could we add a blasting cap to it and then be able to transport it so people could use it wherever they needed to use it? And one day he was working with some packing material. As the story goes, he actually received a shipment of nitroglycerin that was packed heavily so it wouldn't move around in this packing material. And he, he picked it up and realized the packing material, the substance, contained a form of algae. And he wondered, because that was not a substance he had been working with, what would happen if he put nitroglycerin, if he mixed it with this substance, and exactly what he needed is what happened. It stabilized the nitroglycerin. He was able to contain it, to package it, to put a blasting cap on it. Eventually, he was able to transport and ship this new invention made from nitroglycerin and packing material. He originally called it Nobel's Blasting Powder. And then he changed the name to Dynamite. You know why he did? Because of this biblical word. Caught his attention in the Greek because dunamis means power under control. And he said, oh yeah, that's what this is. Power under control. It's dynamite. And biblically speaking, it can either bless you or it can blast you. But it's power under control. And in the Bible, that's God's power. Pay attention to Paul. I can do all things through him who endows me with the power of Almighty God. A gift from him because I depend on him entirely to help me through all circumstances and all situations. To depend on him in all circumstances and all situations. That's how I've learned to be content. It's not me. It's him. It's him. It's as if Paul cries out from the pages of Scripture, trust Christ in every circumstance, in every situation, and he will never, never let you down. I know that some of us in this room, some of us at home, are going through tough financial times. And let's be honest, it may get worse before it gets better. But Jesus doesn't change. Christ has not changed. He still loves you. He fearfully and wonderfully crafted you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And all he's asking is that you'll trust him. Will you trust him today? With whatever you're going through, whatever hardship, whatever circumstance, whatever you worry about, whatever the future holds, whatever you're afraid of, whatever family problem you have, whatever decision you might face, will you trust him today? Will you ask him to give you that strength that enables you to be content in any and every circumstance with him to trust him in your situation I'm going to pray for you then we're going to have a time of response in just a moment but in your heart if the Lord is speaking to you this morning if he is showing you your, your discontent he's showing you your stress your worry cry out to the Lord in your heart ask him to strengthen you ask his forgiveness for not trusting him then ask him to strengthen you in every circumstance and situation. Heavenly Father, in this room today and at home, some of us are worried, some of us are stressed out, some of us are already going through tough financial times. And we see it in our culture all around us all the time, in the world around us, God, and the pressure builds and continues. And we can't imagine what the world is going to be like in 2023 if things keep happening 
the way that they are. But God, the truth of your word is that circumstances change and they will change again. But you never change. So Father, today for all of us that are believers in Christ, God, in our heart we cry out to you again. Father, we depend on Jesus. Strengthen us for this situation. Teach us how to be content step by step, circumstance by circumstance. We trust Christ for our situation, our condition. We trust Christ for what we do not see. We trust Christ for what we do not know. We trust Christ for the days ahead. God, we believe you for the ministries of our church. We believe you, God, for the strength and the help and the resources of our family as well. We trust Christ. So God, help us to renew our dependence on you today. And for that one who needs Christ as their Savior, I pray today would be the day they would trust Jesus Christ for the first time as their Lord and their Savior. They would set aside the worries of the world, the distractions of God, the what-ifs, set aside the idea that they're not worthy of Jesus and remember you fearfully and wonderfully made them. That God, that one who needs Christ today would trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. And it's in his precious name we pray.